0: in 2015 I was filmed without my consent a a woman got the video and threatened to share it I just knew and I know now that like one of my purposes in life is just to work on legislation and to make sure changes happen in the justice
1: system in Ireland hello and welcome to going viral the social media podcast I'm Aideen Fitzmaurice and I am your host Social media might appear just to be videos of what you had for breakfast or a new outfit. But what I find most interesting is that it's become a very, very successful business model for many individuals. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to peer behind the curtain and give you a raw and candid perspective on how the booming social media industry actually operates. Everything from influencing to building a business, content creation and the dark side of the web. This is a brand new podcast, so if you enjoy this episode, please do click the follow button on whatever streaming service you're listening from. This will help get the word out there and hopefully get some new social media loving ears on here. Wherever in the world you are, I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's do this. This week, I am delighted to be joined by the founder of Goss.ie, Ali Ryan. I've known Ali a long time, but it was really last year while on a press trip in Italy that I got to really know her. I was so impressed by her story, her work ethic and her boundless way of thinking. She's a true boss, but it also is making important waves in our legal system around the use and abuse and sharing of intimate imagery. This is an episode I've been so excited to record because I know we're going to have a great conversation. Welcome Ali.
0: Welcome I love that you're like We met on a yacht In the Amalfi Coast <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wanted to put that in Just so people knew I was on a yacht In the Amalfi oh, Coast <laughs> that was
0: such a good trip That's what I love About this industry Like and it is social media That has brought us together Like there is dark sides Which now we're going to get into But it is amazing to think That that's how we met Was through
1: a press trip 100% And press trips are a great way Because you just have time With people that you're not Going to get at Like an hour long event yeah. You're really sitting down Having dinner
0: It's literally like Married at first sight Or something You're just suddenly living <laughs> with someone for three or four days that you probably have never met before so i think we talked about that on the trip sometimes you're nervous going away because you're like oh god who's on the trip yeah. are we all going to get on but that was that was definitely one of my favorite press trips ever we
1: need brilliant. to have a reality tv show <laughs> of influencer press trips somebody needs to get oh on my that Oh god! our
0: late night conversations <laughs> we were having is like an yeah. episode alone yeah yeah definitely
1: so ali to understand you um i kind of wanted to dive into your early years so is the ali that sat in front of me today anything like who you were when you were younger
0: yeah, I don't know. I would say yes and no. Um, I had like a re like I look back on my childhood and I'm not happy. Like I did not have the best time growing up. Um, Just like I was really badly bullied from the age of about four, which is so young. So I started getting bullied by this girl who lived near me. Um, I don't know what it's like in all counties, but in where I lived in Dublin I grew up in Knockline we got a letter to our house to say which teacher you were going to have I went to St. Conkills and uh, there was it's like one of the biggest schools in Europe I think it's like the second biggest in Europe so we all got little letters and I remember me and her were put in the same class I had been playing with her for like two years whatever (laughs) (laughs) and then I remember we got this letter being like we're in the same class and it literally started that day she just was like now looking back I think jealous maybe but I was like this bright bubbly I had white blonde hair curly hair I could talk to anybody like I remember remember being like really like <gasps> about life like I was always so excited about things I was like singing I was dancing like if for any home videos of me when I'm a kid even when we're on holidays and stuff in Disneyland I'm always away from the camera like doing other things dancing and then when the camera's on me I'm like oh my god I'm a little star like <laughs> I was really really like that and then I know this sounds so depressing but kind of as life got more difficult and more difficult I felt like that little girl was kind of just like murdered (laughs) I was just every time I I moved school three times so every time I moved schools or went to a new place the kind of star that I had was just getting dimmed every time I just felt every time I started somewhere new at first I'd be in like the popular group and everybody would like me and then one of the things I think caused me a lot of trouble because I went to mixed schools Mm-hmm. is that I was really easily able to talk to guys because I actually get on with lads so much and as a kid I did too and that caused issues as I started to get older because other girls were kind of like what the fuck is she doing why is she talking to that guy there was just like a lot of jealousy and then like you can imagine in secondary school I was like singing in the school choir I'm like a really musical person as well, so I was like singing all the solos I was writing the school plays I was really involved in things and I think just throughout life the older I get the more I realize that A lot of people don't like that, Mm -hmm. especially in girls. Um, so yeah, I had a pretty shit time to be honest growing up in that in that way. And then I moved to Limerick when I was twelve. I did um sixth class in Scalita in Limerick City and then I moved to a secondary school. I think I had about two years where I wasn't bullied Mm -hmm. and I was like, Okay, this is it. Like it's turning a page, it's a new it's like a new page and then it happened again. And I self-harmed as well in school when that was going on. So I think I was about 15 when it started happening again quite badly. And then my mom was just... I remember I was home for Christmas over the Christmas break. And my mom said that I was like finally in a better place. And my mom's a psychiatric nurse, so she's very tuned in and she said like as the break was coming to an end as it was getting closer and closer to getting back to school she said she could literally see the light coming from my eyes like going so she was like no so then we moved schools again I moved schools again and this time it was to tutorial I don't know if you've heard of it it's like no, the never. institute it's in Limerick so it's like a grind school and my mom was just like I can't keep her here and there was a huge argument between my school principals and my mom because I was so active in the school I was mm-hmm. writing the school plays I was like so involved and they didn't want me to leave and she was like no I can't do this so I moved to tutorial and then that was the first place ever that I wasn't bullied they have a very strict bullying policy like if there's any bullying you don't get your fees back and it's like eight grand a year to go there so and everyone it's like the institute you go there to become a doctor a lawyer it's so serious that honestly no one cared to be bullied like they were busy you know (laughs) a lot of repeat students were there a lot of people from Dublin actually were there um and yeah I I was like I failed junior search science right just to put this into perspective I was getting D's and everything I was passing everything my sisters were really good at school so my family were just like maybe school isn't for her my mom was very like if you want to go into beauty or into that and I was like yeah and then I went to tutorial and I started getting A's in everything and my parents were just like oh my god and I think that's when they realized how badly I had been bullied because mm. I couldn't focus in class like I'd be Left to sit on my own and stuff. Like the school had so much responsibility in what happened. I'd be sitting in the class and no one would talk to me and no one would sit with me. So I'd just be sitting there being like, I want to die. Like, so I was hardly listening to the teacher. So, tutorial was kind of what I feel was the start of like somewhat of a happy life then because I actually really loved it. I started doing business. I hadn't studied business for my junior search. Loved business, loved history, loved English. Things were kind of all going well there. I really was happy there. Had my first big love when I was 17. So like things were like going well for a while. This is like a common trend (laughs) of my life. And then... A week before the leaving cert, sorry, five days, I got diabetes. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I ended up in hospital and I got diabetes and they wanted me to sit the leaving cert in hospital. And I was like, no. And at this point I wanted to do law, right? So I was in this grind school. I was getting A's. I was like, I'm going to do law. I think in my mocks I'd gotten like 510 points. I was Mm -hmm. like, Grant. But I was so sick. And when you first get diabetes, like they were saying to me, like, you're not really going to be able to concentrate for about two weeks now after this. I was like, my leaving cert's in four days. So I still do the leaving cert but I got so yeah sorry that had happened <laughs> then my parents separated then my boyfriend dumped me and then it was time to get my results and I remember my mom was like look you're gonna get your results that you want because you've had such a shit summer and I was like yeah no I know I know and then I didn't I, oh. I didn't yeah I got I got 4.20 and I think law that year was 4.25 or something I was just off it Um, and it's such a mad story now because I remember being so devastated I didn't get law I remember it was only my fourth choice because in maths I only got a D I was so not with it during the exams Mm -hmm. so I had business actually number two number three and then number four was New Media and English and UL and I remember the prospectus being sent to me when you got accepted you know like they send you this is your course and I started bawling crying and my mom was like, do you want to take a year out and have a think about it? And I was like, no, because if I take a year out, I know I'm never, ever going to go to college. Like, I was such a workhorse, even mm-hmm. at a young age. Like, I had my first job when I was 13 in a printing press. I worked in the local shop. Like, I was always like, money, work, like, all the time. So she was like, just take a chance on it. So I did. And look where I am now. Like, it's funny. This is why whenever I talk to younger people that are, like, really nervous about their leaving certain stuff... I'm like you have to just trust the things that things are going to work out or that things are meant to happen because back then when I was 17 and I was dumped by my boyfriend and my parents broken up and I was sick and everything I was like why me? Like why yeah. is this happening? But now I look back and I'm like thank God those things happened. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those things that happened happened for a reason. Like I genuinely think I got diabetes because the universe was like she's not listening she wants to do law it's not the time. So they were like you we better give her like an, <laughs> an illness or something. So yeah. Yeah so yeah to summarise um <laughs> Yeah I like I get really anxious about school even so my two sisters and their partners are all teachers Mm. and the thought of even like going near school gives me anxiety like my biggest worry is like my kids are going to get bullied like I have such a hang up about it because it literally ruined my childhood and a lot of the problems I have today that I'm still working through in therapy have to do with this automatic assumption that everyone doesn't like me. I don't know if you've heard this before, but like a lot of people say that they think I'm really stuck up when they first meet me because I'm very, very insular at events, especially when there's new people around. I don't really look people in the eye. I'm very like uncomfortable. And that's all from this like feeling that like all these people hate me. They're not going to like me. And then after a while, I kind of warm up and the people are like, oh, my God, you're so nice. I'm like, why do I come (laughs) across like a bitch? But that's kind of why it's because life started like that. And definitely being so heavily bullied it kind of led me to become this ambitious person too. Like, I'm sure you've spoken, like in my jobs I've spoken to so many celebrities, like some of the most successful people I've ever met have had terrible times when they were younger. And they kind of felt this need to prove themselves, that yeah. they were like a better person, that they were worthy of love and appreciation. And I definitely think that's what happened to me because my sisters didn't have a hard time in school and we were very different with how we look at life and look at work and stuff like that. Whereas I was like, Desperate when I left secondary school Mm. to be like I am going to make a name for myself I am going to prove everybody wrong like I am going to be the thing that nobody thought I was going to be and like that is what happened so I don't know if I would have done all of this if I had had a happy childhood I don't know
1: Yeah it's really interesting because I've done a few episodes of this podcast now and I'm talking to creators all the time and everybody's done like the drama everybody yeah. everybody's in the in- that is in the industry loved doing musicals loved performing yeah. but then I I haven't really dived into the bullying yeah conversation but I was bullied as well so right. I'm like you know it is the people who stand out in a crowd that yeah. when you're a child it's like that's a bad thing but then when you're an adult you can turn that into something yeah. really beautiful
0: and it's weird because I think the reason you get drawn then to doing stuff like this or being in the public eye or whatever is because you're so desperate for approval. It's mm. really sad when you think about it. But like some of the biggest Oscar winners will tell you that too, that like they were bullied, they weren't liked or they a shit home life and they didn't feel love from their parents. The love and admiration from an audience or a feeling that you did good, it like replaces the love you were meant to have from your parents or your friends or whatever it is. Mm. Um And I think the bullying thing in particular is very bad in Ireland. It's yeah. very bad. And like when I was in Dublin, it started. But then when I moved to Limerick, I was almost in a worse off position because I was like this posh Dublin girl coming in. And like I said, people always think I'm really stuck. up. people have these ideas of me. And I just think I remember after school ended when I moved one of I only had like one friend left in school by the time I moved to tutorial. And I remember she rang me like a few months after and they were all at this big sleepover, all the girls that were horrible to me. And um, she was like, we actually were talking about it tonight, like why we had such a problem with you. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I genuinely think it's because you were just so confident with boys. And I remember listening to this going, like, they don't even understand the damage that they've done. Like, I was literally self-harming at 15 years old because I wanted to not be alive like I literally hated life so Mm. much and like that's why I have such anxiety about it like even I have five nephews now and I'm always just like if I even see like one of the kids messing with them or pushing them I'm like (gasps) like I get Mm. such anxiety about it because I'm like I don't want this to turn into a thing obviously most of the time it doesn't but I know the true effects of bullying especially when it happens so often and it was so poorly managed definitely things are a bit different now I talk to my sisters about it all the time because they're teachers and like it does seem like it's better but then like I thank God or the universe or whatever that social media was not there when I was in
1: school I know I don't think I would have made
0: it I actually don't think I would have made it because at least when I was growing up when you went home, it was solace. You were home. You weren't being bullied continuously. Mm-hmm. Now, like the stories I hear, it's like online and it's offline. You know, TikTok and stuff like that's all blowing up. So yeah, it's something I do worry about and I still have anxiety about. But then at the same time, I'm very much like it was a part of the journey. Like, do you feel that way about yourself? Definitely. Too? Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. It like gave me a resilience, yeah. I think. Um, and I'm like by nature, I'm a bit of a pushover. Right. And it's something that I very much have like tried to do a lot of self-work on yeah and not even a pushover for myself like a pushover for the people I'm close to really? like I have a best friend and she's so her morals are so admirable to me because yeah. if we're in a situation she will always stand up for me and say yeah that's not right like if she was in a pub with somebody and she heard that they'd said smack about me yeah she'd give out to them really? and I want to do that for her so I'm yeah. like I'm working that's on that good. but yeah. I think that that maybe stems from me being bullied and like just going into myself I
0: never stood up for myself and I think if I could redo things again because I've talked to my mum about it so many times and like she was very much like like it's one of her biggest regrets how she taught me to deal with it because Mm -hmm. she was very much like just ignore it but instead of facing it and stuff like that I just I was just constantly upset all the time I kind of wish I'd been turned around and be like fuck you because like, now that I'm older and I have my own business like it's taken a lot a lot of other things to happen in a really long time but now like you should see me in situations like I was telling you off air obviously there was a situation I had recently but like I've been in business meetings with people who haven't spoken to me well and mm-hmm. I'm like who the fuck do you think you're speaking to yeah. like I'm like that now yeah. but when I was a child I would just be so upset I would cry like I remember going to, I've been in therapy since I 13, right? 13 because I actually started self-harm around that age actually that's when it was I think 13, 14 and um, so like I've tried to work on it for like a really 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 long time all these different things um, but I remember one of my first therapists saying to me that one of my big issues is I don't get angry I get sad so things would happen and I would just be like crying I all the, the time exact same. I would never be like I dare you yeah. and like even like we kind of joke about it in my family like I cry all the time I'm a very sensitive person mm-hmm. but now that I'm getting older and wiser and more experienced I am more assertive in situations now but it took a lifetime to get to the point where I felt confident enough and a lifetime to also start not caring what people think Mm -hmm. especially when you grow up and you've been bullied it's like in your blood to care you want to know are you liked you want to know is there going to be a problem here with these people like it's something you're constantly thinking about and then you Mm -hmm. go into the workplace and you're worried about it again like it's a constant thing and that's why I just wish there was more and more education around bullying when kids are younger because I don't even think the bullies understand the effect that they're going to have on someone's life like no. they just don't get it yeah. so I think there are better things in place now but I wish there was even more you know
1: mm-hmm. what do you think that we could do better is it talking about it more or maybe providing yeah. like services in schools
0: like obviously Coco's law the legislation that I was a part of Um, Jackie Fox is the woman who made that all happen her daughter Nicole Fox killed herself um, because she was bullied she took her own life And, like, I remember, like, bawling reading that story and I was like, how is this even happening? And I've had conversations about it before, like, why isn't suicide... I know it's such a deep thing to start off on, but why isn't suicide discussed with students? And the feedback that I've heard is, like, you know, they don't want them to have anxiety that they could cause a suicide or they don't want to talk about suicide as a thing. And I'm like okay but like don't they need to understand consequences though yeah. like that's what I don't understand but I do understand there has to be a fine line but I don't know how seriously it's still taken if someone comes in and they're like I've been bullied because I know kids are dramatic too so mm-hmm. like obviously it's not always that bad but if it's continuous and people are being isolated I, I really think it needs to be taken seriously and to yeah. be honest if it was me and it happened with my children I'd probably take them out of school yeah very quickly because It can just, like when you're a kid, you're a sponge. Like the things you feel and the things that happen, they genuinely change you for life. And I think if it can't get sorted, you need to just bring them to a safe place. But now with social media, there is no safe place. You're you're always gonna get it. So I know you have to kind of grow a thick skin in some ways. But I do like in the therapy I'm doing now, like a lot of it's focused on my inner child and it is so fucking sad. I'm just like, oh my God, I was this really happy, bubbly little girl Mm -hmm. and I just feel like she's not there anymore. Like there's glimmers of her at the odd time, but like other people like took her away. Like and that's Mm -hmm. shit. Like if that was my daughter, oh my God I'd be decking people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm do, you, like, don't do you see do it. her coming back through therapy? Um, I don't know. I feel like through therapy, it's more like trying to give her love of like the love that was missing and let her know everything's going to be okay. Like I actually have pictures of me as a kid in my house, which I you know sounds so weird because my parents should have them, <laughs> but I have them as like a reminder to be kinder to myself. Yeah, that's who you're
1: talking to. Yeah,
0: and to like give her love because she did have such a tough time and. <laughs> I don't know yeah I do just feel sad about it like but definitely through work you know like the reason I said of goss one of the reasons was is because it was something I loved so when I do things that I love I like feel her there you Mm -hmm. know like when I I did stage school for years and stuff like that so I still do little bits I haven't in the last like three years but I've been like writing tv pilots and doing bits of acting and stuff when I do those things I kind of feel her and definitely doing like the gossies like the big productions um Whenever something like really cool happens I'm like oh she'd be like delighted Stuff like that So I'm trying my best to kind of bring her back And give her like a little hug And be like everything's going to be okay But I think that's what like I know we're going to get into a bit more a trolls and stuff I don't think they can separate a person from a child and sometimes I wish they would look at us as all little kids yeah. because they would never talk <coughs> to a child like that yeah. but we are still all little kids we're just like grown up and we have real adult jobs but like inside like our emotions we are little girls mm-hmm. that just want a hug from our dad or a hug from our mom or to play with their friends or to be picked first on a, a team like we're always going to be like that inside. Yeah. Did things get better when you went to college? Yeah so I liked college Um, I worked loads during college which sounds funny but like the work part of it is what I probably remember the most like, so I had a job in 02 in Limerick which was kind of like the original Google in Ireland as in the way the company was constructed it was voted like best company to work for three years in a row stuff like that I was 18 when I started there Um, And I was just doing inbound customer service, being like, oh, you stole my credit, stuff like that. (laughs) And then there was an opportunity to apply for this sales job. And I was 19, I remember, when I went for it. And, like, loads of people in the company went for it. So I was like, I'm obviously not going to get it. Because there was people that were there for years. And I did get it. And I got it for inbound sales on the... um, on the business team so it was really high commission and I kept winning like sales person of the month and stuff and I was like oh my god I fucking love this (laughs) I was like leaving college I was like coming to work instead doing overtime and then in the middle of the degree I had to do a work placement So at this point I had decided Because of O2 and sales I wanted to do advertising I was going to do a postgrad In advertising And that's where I was going to end up But then we had to do a co-op And the co-op office Kept asking me Have you got your placement sorted?" I was like Yeah 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 Grant Everyone was going to Spain To teach English I was like I don't want to be a teacher I'm not doing that <laughs> So my dad was like My dad is like a heating specialist And he was installing Heating stuff in the house And he gave him his card At the end And it said NUIJ on it And my dad was like Oh are you journalist And he's like oh, I'm the editor of the Limerick Post newspaper." and my dad was like oh my little my daughter like she wants to like work in the industry because I had already said I wanted to do something like that and uh, he was like I set up a meeting so I remember going in it was lashing raining I was so late and he was just like yeah there's no time here to teach people we don't have the time so you can't do a co-op and I was like just give me like one week just one week and then it was meant to be this unpaid kind of really short term thing but Mm. I ended up being fully paid stayed for eight months wow yeah and I was obsessed with it I was like like, and it was such general journalism so I was like meeting politicians I was like going to openings of like buildings it was 2009 so it was the recession so I remember doing like sit down interviews with taxi drivers about them losing their homes and mad stuff it was really intense then I was like editing the motor section and the wedding like I ended up ended up doing most random stuff in that job but i loved it so i had the businessy bits then done from 0 02 then i had um the limer post and then the reason i had ul down actually was because of the erasmus part of it mm-hmm. so then i got to live in italy for six months which was amazing and very formative experience i loved that um, and then when i came back it was like my final year but like i did crap in second year and third year I just kept wanting to work and then I was going out with kind of a bad guy as well who lived in Cork so I kept going down to him and then in in the final year the fourth year I was like right better pull all this together and I did well in the end but I was still very much like work, work, work and so I started working in Spin Southwest, and then I launched a blog called Miss Red don't ask me (laughs) Miss Red like M-I-S-S so I used to get up in the mornings I'd write on the blog then I'd do college work. Then I was working in Vodafone sales as well, actually. And I would do that. And I'd have all my books and stuff there. You can kind of understand now why my life's mad now. So I'd have like all my books. I'd be studying while I was on the call to customers. Um, and then I also would be going into the South West and I would do the news reading on the air every hour on the weekends. And then I was broadcast assistant to actually Maureen O'Connell's talk show. No which way. is so funny, yeah. She had this amazing talk show in the South West. Everyone was obsessed with them. I had like pink red hair. I was like, 19. It's so funny now that like I got her toasted the Gossies and I do r and all the time so it's a real like full circle yeah. moment so I was doing all those million things and then we were getting up to the exams and I was like I want to be a journalist I loved the Limerick Post I loved Twinset West and I remember saying it to like my family and my friends and they were like but you've been living in Limerick for 10 years you don't know anyone in Dublin you don't know anyone in the industry I was like I'm gonna be a journalist so I just started emailing like people I did she was finding like editor at independent.ie email them my blog I was, I was doing interviews with like, Laura Whitmore, Vogue Williams when they were at yeah. like, the top of their game and that's what the blog kind of was and I was like, I'm going to get a job and then I got an email back from The Independent being like, do you want to come down for a meeting on like Monday, whatever so I drove down from Limerick to the Big Smoke, and 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 when I got there, the person I emailed was not there there was no one there, no one knew what to do with me and this guy came over, he was like one of the editors and he was like, look, just write a story or something I was like, okay so they gave me a login, wrote a story they thought was good it was about um, Leanne Moore Getting uh, to be the backing singer For Jedward for the Eurovision This sounds so random right But she was from Limerick So I knew her And I'd seen on her Facebook She got it I did an interview with her on the phone And she was like Yeah I guess I was just in the right place At the right time And I was like yeah cool." So I wrote it up And then the editor came back With like an A5 sheet Like this massive sheet And it was literally like Right place right time Picture of Leanne Moore With Jedward And my bio was on it My name And I was like That's so cool What page is that on And he was like That's page 3 tomorrow Which is But when you're in showbiz journalism Page 3 is the front page And I was like Oh, and then he was like, when can you start? Like, it literally happened that quickly. I didn't even tell them I was doing my exams. My exams hadn't started yet. So I was like driving up and back from Lamerick and stuff. I think I was staying in my uncle's house in Dublin. And then I went and I did my exams. And I remember telling everybody before we even graduated that I had this job in the Herald now I didn't really leave with loads of friends from college either like to be honest like I just I don't know I just don't always (laughs) don't attract the best people to be around but I remember when that kind of happened everyone was like oh my god fair play and I had like there was some night out or graduation thing that I had missed and they they had voted me like most likely to succeed in my class I was like that's really nice but I think a lot of it was also like oh she's going to the Herald we should (laughs) be friends with her and so then I graduated came back and then a couple of weeks after that, I ended up being the diarist for the Herald. So anyone who knows the journalism industry in Ireland, when you get to do the diary for the Herald, you can literally do any job after that. It is the most difficult job in showbiz. Like the Herald had two editions, so I would be filing until six in the morning and then I'd file again. I'd be out until three in the morning, following the GAA team around, seeing what they're up to, going to nightclubs. Like I had to be like reporting what was going on all the time. But it, and it was a very intense, very, very, very difficult year because it was very old school back then in terms of like the editors and how people were treated and stuff like that. But I was like, I'm doing my 12 months and I, and I remember it was coming up to nearly like the end of the 12 months, like it was like days away. And my my mom was ringing to me, and I was bawling because I was just having such a hard time. And I was like, I will literally work in a chip shop after twelve months, but I have to do the twelve because it needs to be on the CV twelve months. And then the day before it was twelve months, I got a text from someone in the mail on Sunday, being like, "There is a job coming up, and we think you'd be a perfect fit." So I went for that interview, and I was only twenty two, just turned twenty two. Sorry, not even yeah, it was around twenty two anyway. And I went for the interview with one guy and he like loved me and he was like I think you would be really good and then I met like the head head guy and it was very clear that I was going to be if I got the job the youngest person on the team by like 10 years and he was very much like you can you can talk the talk but I just don't know if you're going to be able for the job and he offered me the job five grand less than what I wanted mm-hmm. um, and a friend of mine who was a guy I knew had gotten the same job offer for five grand more He was a guy So I was really annoyed about that but I did really want to leave the Herald and the Sunday papers are a much better job because you have a whole week to work on stories so it's more like featurey, it's huge sit down interviews, it's like investigative work and stuff like that. Um, But anyway I got the job and then six months later we were at the NNI Awards, so the National Newspaper of Ireland Awards and I was up for showbiz journalist of the year. And Paddy Power used to take bets on. I don't know if they do anymore. <laughs> and uh, none of my team bet for me. So there was actually two people within the male group that were also nominated for showbiz. I was up against people that were in that paper long, longer than me. Um, and they we bought like three tables. And I remember I was at like a random table with people I didn't even know. And then like the head editors brought these two other tables with the two other people who were up for it. And then I fucking won. <laughs> and my aunt yes, had put like a hundred euro <laughs> on. So she won so much money because on the Paddy Power betting, I was the least likely to win. So she won like loads of money. And I remember sitting in Residence, which is now, what's that place on Stephen's Green now called? The Grayson. They used to be a private members club. And I was sitting there with my award, with my editor, and he was like, well, you guess you can walk the walk. And then he gave me the <laughs> raise on the spot. So that was like, just like an amazing moment. I was like, oh my God. So I loved my time in the mail, mm-hmm. especially with him. That was Sebastian Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually like the head communications for Revolute Ireland now. But he was an amazing boss. I loved him. He was like such a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. But when that, kind of happened then I was like what's next because I was the youngest to ever win the award so that was like my career goal Yeah, I was like that's where I want to end up Um, so that's basically how I probably jumped ahead loads of guys there <laughs> but that's kind of how um the Goss kind of ideas started to come around because I was like what's next Mm -hmm. and now I'm sure you can follow because of the way my work and college life had been I was always doing a million things at once all the time I wanted more responsibility I wanted to do more things like right after I won the award I said to the guys in the office I was like I want to start going to the Oscars and they were like how are you going to get into the Oscar prize I was like don't you worry about that me just watch me yeah I was like I will I will and then they like approved the flights and everything and then for the first time ever the man on Sunday went to the Oscar Wilde party like that's what happened that year so I was always at that point when I got to that part of my life it's probably when I started enjoying life Mm -hmm. because I started being like actually do you know what it was just to reverse for a second when I was 17 so I didn't do transition year did you do transition year yeah I was so unhappy in school I was like I have to get out I want to work I want to be out and I remember I was 17 then when I left so I was quite young I was like 17 in college so I was quite young and uh, my mum gave me The Secret have you read that book?
1: I've like it's it's a coffee table book right so like I pull it up now and then and I like read a few pages but I've never sat down and read it like front to back
0: So my mum got it for me when I was 17 because I was just coming out of school. I'd had the separation, the breakups, the diabetes, everything was going wrong. So my mum was like, you need to, I feel like you need to read this book. And it genuinely changed my life. Like, I think that's when things started to change for me because there's parts of the books that are a bit OTT. Like, you know, like I've met people that are in The Secret and I'm like, all right, calm down. But (laughs) the overall ethos of it, which is the understanding that if you believe in something anything is possible not to say that you can just sit here and be like I'm going to manifest a brand new Porsche," and it just comes (laughs) but it's more that like all the stories in it like there's one story about this guy who was in a plane crash I don't know if you remember this part of the book I don't know if you've Mm -hmm. seen it he's a pilot and he ended up being paralysed from the neck down And he was in hospital for months and they were like, this is probably going to be you for the rest of your life. It's like a 2% chance you're going to walk again. And he was saying, he kept because he couldn't move, he kept lying there being like, I'm going to be out here by Christmas. I'm going to be out here by Christmas. He kept saying it over and over and over. And he was out by Christmas. So when I was actually on my Erasmus, there was a girl with me. We both got on really, really well. We both read The Secret. We always used to talk about it. And she... Slipped and fell on a night out And smashed the vertebrae In the back of her spine And we had to go to hospital She had to get this operation Didn't understand anything It was all through Italian Mm -hmm. She had to sign a waiver Basically being like There's a 50% chance You're never going to walk again And I just remember I kept saying to her Everything's going to be fine I actually fell out with everyone On the Erasmus Because they were all like you need to start telling her she's gonna have to adapt to her life in a wheelchair and I was like, absolutely fucking not. I was like writing out pages in The Secret, putting it all around her bed. I know that sounds psycho but I got her these pair of slippers right before her operation and I was like, what you're gonna say to yourself is you're gonna walk in those slippers when the operation is done. I was like, say it with me, like you're gonna walk and she was like, yeah. So anyway, the operation happened, her mum flew over and I should like, look after her and then, she the day it all happened, where because I think after an operation on your spine, they actually still don't know if you can walk or not because mm-hmm. you need to try. So they got her these like special steel shoes, it's like to help you stand properly. And she was like, "No, I want the slippers. I want the slippers." And they were like, "Right." And then she walked. Now, her and her mom to this day are like, "You literally saved her life." Blah blah. I'm like, I didn't. But it's just a it's just a mentality thing, and I clung on to it so much and I still believe in it so mm-hmm. much I do struggle with it sometimes with like my personal life because a lot of things I've wanted to happen haven't but overall if I was to look at where I am now to when I go back to 17 the things that I'm doing now most people told me if not everyone you are never going to do that mm-hmm. you're not going to make it in Dublin you're not going to be good in the industry you're not going to be able to handle this You know like What do you think people said When I said I'm going to start a business When I had no business degree Like everyone has always been like It's not going to work Mm -hmm. It's not going to work And because I read The
1: Secret And because I believed in it so much I've always been
0: like I can do absolutely anything in life
1: I see that in you And that's why in your intro I wrote boundless thinking Yeah That's like the key word When I look at you I'm like You put your mind to anything you will get into an Oscars party. i have see, I watch you and I'm like, that's boundless thinking in practice. If you were like, I bet you 10
0: grand you're not going to get into the Met Gala next year, I'd find
1: a way. Like, I'd find (laughs)
0: a way. And like, it does, it does definitely stem from that. And it's a mixture of having the ambition to really want to prove myself, like we were talking about from the bullying. And then the mixture of genuinely believing And it's not even that I believe in myself so much. It's just I believe in the theory that you can achieve anything you Mm -hmm. want in life. Like I talked about it recently on my Instagram. I don't know if you'd seen it, but I got really into vision boards a couple of years ago and I used to actually have them up on my wall. I can't remember where I'd seen it. It was probably in The Secret and I did one in like 2018. 2018 was probably one of my worst years in business. Like I don't even know how the company survived. It shouldn't have. We got into so much debt. We owed loads of money. It was a crap year and I remember that year I did a little vision board and I had like my dream house. I had like this white jeep. And I had sold my car at this point. I couldn't even afford a car, right? I had like this dream Jeep. I had all these things. And then I packed it all away. And then I remember I moved into a new place and I found it. And like Toyota had come to me and given me an ambassadorship and given me a white Jeep. Like i had even forgotten the stuff that was on the board. So I've done that every January, every year I do it. I did it last year and it's even creepily more what happened. But it's not that it's like a spell or anything. I just think when you say out loud or write down the things that you want you kind of subconsciously start working towards mm-hmm. them. So like if I, so I had said in 2013, I'm going to go to the Oscars one day, but blah, blah. I did it in like late 2013, but I wrote it in a diary, this like one, like a a list of 25 things or something. And I only looked at that diary about two years ago and everything was done. Everything. It was like make a TV pilot. Like there was things that I was like, this probably won't happen, but I'd love it. They yeah. all have happened. So yeah, I think, I just think that's, The secret to life, honestly. That's why that book is called The Secret. And I also think that's why we have tall poppy syndrome here because out of any people... Civilizations I've met Throughout my life The Irish seem to be the most That doubt themselves So they don't really do The things that Like in LA you, You're born and you're like I'm going to be a clown And a surgeon <laughs> And I'm going to direct a movie In Ireland It's very much like Stick in your lane But I do think everyone Does have little dreams And there's things They would love to do But they feel like They can't put themselves out there They can't be in the spotlight And that they're not capable mm-hmm. But if you genuinely just Use what I was just saying there In your own life Like there's so many people say to me like I'm unhappy in my relationship Or I hate my job job. I'm like just leave. Mm-hmm. Like it's like we're on in these invisible shackles of society where like we can't do certain things and it's like you can. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. But like you can literally go do whatever you want. If you said to me you want to go to space, like you probably will. Like yeah. it's not that hard. It's just trying to have that mentality and like trust me it is. It is difficult when things aren't working out. And like, gosh, we're nine years in business now. It really took about five and a half years for that company to become a success. So I had five and a half years being so broke, like not being able to afford dinners with my family, sleeping on the floor of my office because I couldn't afford a taxi home. Like, it's not glamorous, but now I'm in a place where I'm so happy and so secure. So it's really hard work. But I think if it's something you truly want, whatever it might be, if you just focus on it, you can achieve it.
1: So speaking of Goss, yeah. could you explain to somebody
0: who might not know what it is? Yeah, what, what Goss is. actually is. I was only explaining this to the night to someone. Who was I saying this to? When I was in LA, people were like, what's Goss? <laughs> I was like, let me tell you. Well, I normally say to people if they've never heard of it is it's like an Irish version of E! News. That's kind of what I normally say, but like obviously or or the Mail Online. So it's basically an online celebrity news website. I know the word goss makes it sound like it's scandalous which is kind of ironic because it's not and it takes people a while to like trust the company and trust me but now like I've so many good relationships with huge celebrities because like when they actually met me they realised oh like I never out people we don't break mean stories like we you know anytime you see a story about a breakup or thing." Like if it's a source revealed, like it's nine times out of ten, it's that person. Like I would never have the girl, like I don't write any of it anymore, but I'd never, never have that on the site. But yeah, I suppose one of our biggest things then our USP is our Instagram. Like we have 126,000 followers. So we're kind of dubbed as an influencer as well as a media mm-hmm. site because everyone's obsessed with the Instagram stories. But yeah, we just <laughs> talk about all showbiz, Irish, English, US from Love Island to Brad Pitt to Ryan Turbony.
1: Why do you think <laughs> it's been such a success?
0: Do you know what the actual site itself genuinely has been a success since the day it launched right but that's not how you make money but in terms of the content right like so if I take you back to it like I had just won showbiz Journalist of the year so I was literally told by a panel of you know renowned journalists that I was the best in the country showbiz so I'm not very confident about myself all the time but I am about my abilities. so I knew that I was doing the right thing I knew the site was going to be huge because there was like you have to remember back in 2014 when I launched it there was no news site in Ireland at all that had showbiz. So if you wanted to learn about like what Rosanna Davison was doing or Jennifer Zambrelli, you had to read a newspaper. And I was just like, this is stupid. Like you should be able to just go on Facebook. Instagram wasn't that big at the start. Um, so I was just like, I really think that people will love this I was nervous about leaving the mail because I was getting invited to everything I was doing all the ort press things I was friends at celebrities I was like are they going to give a shit when I have this new thing are they going to think it's like a blog but I remember the first week we launched Nikki Byrne and um, Nikki and Jenny had a show together on 2FM and they like talked about us and I remember we were in the office and I was like <gasps> They are like, yeah, yeah, I just saw the story on goss.ie. I was like, oh my God, they know my name. And uh, then, but very, very quickly, we were invited to everything. And I do think that's because I already had a reputation. Like, do you know, like I already had a career built up. So that was perfect. The struggle from day one has been making money. And like, I hold my hands up. Like I had no business experience. Like I remember taking out my sixth year business notes to be like, where do I begin? <laughs> like, I I actually set up Goss with another person as well. So another journalist friend of mine, we set it up together. We both wanted to do it. Um, I don't know if many people know that. We both wanted to do it. And I, the plan was that I was going to do the businessy side because I always was so interested in advertising and everything. And he was going to man kind of the editorial. But just, I mean, it was very quickly we realized, like, he didn't want to do both. He didn't really want we just clashed so much as well and we were really good friends so it was like a sad situation but we clashed so much and I just think he said to me when he left like he just left basically and I bought out his shares he basically said that he felt like it needed to be taken to the next level and that it was going to be me basically Mm -hmm. because I had these bigger outlandish OTT ideas which you can imagine some people wouldn't be able to get on with me because I'm like we're going to do this and we're going to I wanted to do the Gossies like weeks into launching Goss in 2014 I was like I have this idea and like there was just a lot of ideas that weren't agreed with so it was just a nightmare at the start so when he left then it kind of was like starting again but that was a really stressful period for me because I had no staff so it was just the two of us. Um, so I was working seven day weeks then. And then I brought on two interns, both who have now gone on to work for like the mail in London and like, wow. yeah, delighted for them. Um, but that was really tough. And I had that moment. So he left six months in, I think. I remember he told me over coffee and Starbucks. And I was like, right, OK. So I remember that moment being like, I can just walk away now too and leave it or... I'm gonna make this a big thing. And when I left the mail, when I handed my notice, I remember saying to my family, I'm either gonna go into the acting and filmmaking thing or I'm gonna do gossip. I was kind of in two minds. Um, but in that moment, in that decision in that coffee place, I was like, I'm just gonna keep doing it. So it was such a struggle to make money, I won't lie. And like you have worked for a media company, you know what it's like, and even we were up against the likes of Love in Dublin and Maximum who had way more teams than I did who had investment like you know I don't even have a credit card for Goss. like still to this day like Mm -hmm. everything was bootstrapped and on top of trying to make it a business I was writing all of the content so it was seven days it was so intense Um, and the big struggle was media buying agencies which you know now which like control basically all the advertising and so that was really really hard so to get to the answer of your question the last three years have been where Goss is successful and the pandemic has a massive part to play in that which I know is it's kind of mean to say, because a lot of businesses really suffered during the pandemic. But what happened with us is that a lot of the bigger, our bigger competitors were forced to let lots of people go because suddenly their costs were too much because the advertising dropped. I mean, I think I lost a hundred grand overnight in ads because everyone was like, we're pausing everything. Mm -hmm. But I always have had a smaller team, smaller overheads. I got rid of the office straight away during COVID. that cost was gone. I didn't lower anyone's wages. I was like, I'm going to keep it all the same. And a lot of brands are like, oh, us is the exact same but other brands were like changing and stuff and then the issue i'd had with some of the big companies is that we weren't getting meetings but then you cut to covid and there's no excuse not to be free for a zoom so i started just taking advantage of that and i was like meet us do this blah blah, blah. and then our audience grew i think by 30 percent during covid and it's never dropped it's still gone more than that so covid kind of just made everything stop for a minute and calmed down and I really just got to think about things and we got into places we hadn't got into before and that's kind of when things started to change for us really we just started getting deals we weren't before and like it's always been the same to be honest any brand who's never worked with us once they do they work with us for life because they realize the impact that we have but it's funny because the last like year in particular people keep being like gossiping so well like oh my god, god blah, blah. and i'm like in my mind it's this it's the same it's just being amplified more because people can see the bigger deals but in terms of the content the social, we've always been that good. Like mm-hmm. I know we're the best in the business. I have no two ways about it. Yeah. And like it was about four years ago where I took a step back from the editorial so I think people still think I write on the site, but like I have no idea what's on it today. <laughs> like we do a weekly meeting where I talk to the editorial team and I like have opinions on things. But like Kendra runs the site, and then we've Soapy as a deputy editor as well. They basically run the entire thing. And um, but I think the main thing we hear from readers, if we're looking at the editorial side, is just we're so quick. Story can go up at two o'clock in the morning. Like sometimes we've been faster than TMZ. We're so quick, we're so spot on. Because we're an all-female team and all the girls are in their twenties, we are our own target market. And then with the business stuff, I just feel like all oh, that's common sense to me. But then I that's why I struggle sometimes to find good people because I'm like, why can't you do 12,000 things at one time? Because I'm like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's definitely it's definitely coming into its own now. Like that was the best gossies we've ever had. We're doing the best deals we've ever done. It just took time and like so many people along the way were like, you need to leave it. And like when I started Goss, loads of journalists in the industry like all fell out with me. It's a a common trend now, people not liking me anymore. Um, And I remember hearing like that everyone was like, she's not going to last till Christmas. So then I got through the first year and that really pushed me to keep going. And then the second year, the same comment was said again, like they're just, you're going to fold. And then I think that year around 2018, we nearly sold the business for let's see there's an nda but for a very 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 high amount of money it was actually in the business post they wrote about it and i ended up walking away from the deal like it was over a million and i walked away from it but we had been planning to do it we as in me so when that had to end and i decided not to do it money was not to be found because i had spent the whole time just trying to get the deal done so that was a really difficult year and like so many people in my life were like maybe you just need to walk away and I was like no and then I think it was that gossips that happened last year it was like the biggest one we'd ever had and then the hard work is paid off now. But like, you know, when you're telling your family and your friends that you've had to sleep on the floor of your office and like you can't afford a car and you can't afford to have a meal when you're with your family, like they're obviously like, is this worth it, Ali? Like, mm-hmm. are you sure this is worth it? But I kept being like, I know it's going to work. Like, I just, I know we're so good at what we do. Like, this is, it has to work. And I was looking at our competitors that were making like 10 times money that we were back then. I was like, I know I'm going to make that. Mm-hmm. And now we do. So like, it has paid off, but... My like there's so many people that have said to me like that they don't like me, <laughs> like they're not a big fan, but they're like the one thing I will say is that you're a
1: grafter. Do you think when you were starting out as a young, ambitious, budding female in a male-dominated industry that mm. that had an effect on people's opinions of the success oh of the page. Oh my god
0: yeah and not even just being a woman like there was so much and continues to still be so much like I, I'd call it slut-shaming because I like to wear low-cut tops. Like the Phoenix magazine actually wrote a piece before talking about my low-cut tops. This is only like in 2020 and I was so pissed off that it. I was like are you actually kidding me like I'm seven years in business at the time and you're talking about my tops being too low so I was always mad into selfies and stuff before selfies were as normal as they are now and uh, I remember when I was in the mail like these discussions used to be had at the bar with the team giving out about me like taking selfies and stuff so there was always this weird obsession with why I dress certain ways and stuff so definitely when I started Goss like I remember actually like going to an event with the guy I'd set Goss up with and um someone really well known like in a business person was like are you too shagging and I was like S- what the fuck is that got you like, we weren't by the way
1: but like I was just like how is that the first question you'd ask someone who just started their own business That's it was so funny so that you say that because I had the same comment said about me with a fellow co-worker who was male yeah. the CEO of the company we were in pulled the guy into a room and was like well what's the crack have you slept together yet? And I was like twenty two at the time, working so hard. And I was like, "Why is that what you're focusing on? Why is that what you're looking it's, at of me?" It's rather literally than the work never I'm ending.
0: Doing? And when it all started, when Goss started, loads of people were like, "Who's funding her? What guy is it?" And like, people were suggesting I was like with older men, blah blah. blah. And I it was like, people I'd met one time, and I was like, "What?" It was so so weird. And then I remember in two thousand and. 18 or 19 so we're like four or five years into the business now I remember I did an interview with a celebrity I'm not going to say who it is because I just don't even want drama around I'd done an interview with a celebrity and they had said really nice things on the camera about Goss like you'd honestly think we paid him like because it was so nice I was like oh my god it was amazing and I got a call the next morning from a journalist being like there's rumors that you're shagging such and such I was like I just stood beside him in a fucking interview but yeah, that Definitely starting out as a woman I don't think it was taken seriously by a lot of people Even Mm -hmm. when I handed in my notice I remember one person going Well you're young As in like okay you go off and do your little thing You know you'll have fun And I was like no I'm a serious businesswoman," And they were just like oh So yeah that trend unfortunately has not stopped Like I mean I'm nine years in business now Very very recently I had a situation where It was so clear that a man was uncomfortable dealing with me Because I was a woman And like I've been to like I remember I was at this business I do this like annual business uh, Christmas lunch with like really big business people and I love it I love the guys but one year this guy came he's never come since he was from America and I was on the way to a goss Christmas party too so I was in like a pink little dress and so it was a bit girly like and it was all guys I used to be the only woman that went to this event and um, I remember I was telling a story it was something to do business we were talking about a business thing and this guy got across me and he was like I'm so sorry to do this but like I just can't concentrate he's like you must get this all the time I just can't keep staring at your chest like and I was like. Um, no I don't get that all the time and maybe just fucking listen to what I'm saying and he was like laughing about it and I was like that's it was so rude it made me so uncomfortable and I didn't really say anything at the time because I was so just like shocked obviously if someone said that to me now like I have a, have a real different attitude to it now like I call out misogyny so easily but it is very frustrating like I think I said this to you before like there's people that were in competitive sites and companies that are no longer there you know what I'm talking about and they were on the cover of so many magazine covers they were on the late late they were doing huge things they were called geniuses for doing what I am doing now and mm. they are no longer in the industry I'm kind of the last one standing and there's none of that with me and I know a big part of that is because I come from journalism and I think other media publications don't want to really write about me but like it's not even that I want to be on the cover it's not about that it's more like why aren't more women hmm put in those situations and given the kind of kerfuffle that I saw with those guys it is frustrating and I just think it's different it's different when you're a girl and like you're treated like a school child like men want to speak down to you like before that last deal the one that was over a million we had three offers to be bought before that one and every single time I didn't even go past the second meeting because they said something so sexist to me in the meeting. And I remember the reason I walked away from the last deal is because we were in the meeting and the payout was meant to happen all at once and they wanted to do it in blocks. And I'd kind of been warned against doing a buyout like that. And then I said something like, Well look, I want to buy a house out of this. So I want that the money all up front. And then they were just like, You're 27, like you know, and I'm sure you're gonna meet somebody. You don't need to buy a house. And I remember I was on a kind of conference style call and I muted it and I was just like this. I went No and then I went back on and I was like you know what let's just leave this that's how annoyed I got about it because would they say that to a man like there's so many things that have been said to me in business meetings with clients like with like well not my clients now to be honest but when I started definitely with business meetings when I was trying to get funding I tried to get investment at the start and it was really like this is just a little hobby like Mm -hmm. you know. It was very condescending behavior. And it still really upsets me. Like the thing that happened a couple of weeks ago where I was forced to stand up to myself, to a man, I literally was crying about it in the office Mm -hmm. with Kendra because I was just like, why is this still happening? Like, why do I have to prove that I'm a serious business person? Why do I have to sit there and be spoken down to? Like, Mm -hmm. so unfortunately, in my opinion, the whole gender inequality thing is not over. And I don't, I, I feel like now Goss is really successful in terms of its perception, you know, we're doing really good deals, we're working really good brands, I still think I'm not taken seriously by everybody. It's not it's not everyone, but I definitely still get that feeling. And, like, I don't want to stop wearing sexy dresses. I don't want to dye my hair brown and stop wearing makeup. Like, I'm sure a lot of people would fucking love if I did that. I like being sexy. I like being able to do that. But it definitely, it causes serious problems with certain mm-hmm. men and women, too, to be honest. Yeah. Do you think that social media is essential for digital publishers now? Yeah 100% Oh my god you can't, you can't do it without it I remember when um, we started Facebook was the thing right And back then If you shared a Facebook post All your followers saw it yeah. Shock horror um, <laughs> And then we were actually The first news publication To start an Instagram account And What we used to do Is we'd put like a, Let's say it was a Colin Farrell story We'd put a picture Of the article on the feed Because at the time When it first started I think Image Magazine had one, but it was more like a picture of products or something. I was like, let's drive them onto the site. Like, why don't we do that? Um, and then when Stories launched, we were the first ones to be like, swipe up to read. So mm-hmm. it's funny, everyone does it now, but we were the first ones of that. So we've always been very savvy with social media. Um, and yeah, like I think 60% of all our traffic comes from social. And out of that 60, I think... 60% again comes from Instagram mm. Directly A lot from Twitter as well I love Twitter Twitter is my favourite social media platform For news Like it's just amazing um, But no you definitely can't do digital
1: publishing Without social Something ex- impressive about you Ali uh, That people might not know Is that you're Ireland's answer to Kim K <laughs> uh, On top of running your business You've also been studying law uh, Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh my god <laughs> It's so funny
0: Um, Yeah so back to my story when I was 17 I wanted to do I really have always been obsessed with it and law and journalism are actually very similar in how you you study and uh, when the pandemic happened so obviously I'm diabetic which I talked about diabetics were like one of the most high risk categories so my consultant had been like this is like one week into the lockdown he was like you can't socialise until there's a vaccine I was like Right At that point there was no talk of a vaccine So I was like okay So I knew there was going to be a long road ahead I just had a feeling it was going to go on for at least a year Mm -hmm. I said that to the girls on the team They all thought I was insane I was like no So I was like going crazy I was living on my own And um I hadn't seen, I think there was a, an eight month stint where I only saw someone three times outside for a walk for eight months. So I kind of knew all that was going to happen. I was like, I have to do something. And then I was like, I wonder, is there any law degrees I could do? Because everything was starting to move online for colleges. And I saw that Griffiths, I think the registration had ended the day before. And I was like, <gasps> it was one of my moments where I'm like, I have to do this. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter. I'm doing it like whatever happens. And I just emailed them. I was like, is there any way I can apply for this today? And they were like, yeah. And I got accepted almost straight away. So I had already done the story about my sex tape and I had been involved in behind the scenes just understanding the legislation of Cocosaw. So one of the reasons I wanted to do it was I just knew and I know now that like one of my purposes in life is just to work on legislation and to make sure changes happen in the justice system in Ireland so I was like I need to be taken more seriously in terms of like I can't just be the girl from Goss who has a sex tape it has to be like I actually know how to create pieces of legislation I can walk into the Dáil tomorrow and tell them how it works you know that was Mm -hmm. one of the big things for me and then I also just really wanted to be preoccupied during COVID and I always felt I'd be a really good lawyer so I wanted to test myself and like I don't know about you like, but I feel like I kind of missed reading and stuff like because in college you have to learn so much I was like I'd love to learn so anyway so that's why I started it and I absolutely love it first and second year was intense but it was it was grand because there wasn't much on this year has been extremely difficult because life is fully back together um but I do still love it and I applied for the innocence project and I was accepted into it so I have clients there obviously I can't talk about it but the innocence project is where um people can apply if they feel that they were wrongfully convicted um, some people are still currently in jail writing letters from jail trying to get out other people just want to be exonerated and um, yeah it's up to us to work on the cases with that Um, but yeah so I'm excited for it to be over though I'm it's been it's so intense like the exams are in six weeks my finals Christmas was very difficult Um, but I love it and it's something to push myself on and to keep doing and like it all really worked really well because I remember in 2020 being like, I want to start doing more current affairs things. I want to be taken more seriously. I want to work work with the Department of Justice. And like all those things happened. Like I'm speaking at the justice uh, leadership sector um, conference in Dublin Castle in like two weeks to like talk about things I want to see change in the industry. So like I, I don't think the law degree is solely responsible for it, but I definitely think because I understand um and then I know I was telling you before like I have, I'm taking a case at the end of this year and being able to like understand that like dealing with my legal team is so much easier I'm like we're going to apply for this I want to do this my arguments are that, that, that and that because mm-hmm. when you do a law degree like you are all your assignments are based of like being a barrister or being a solicitor so you have to understand how even a legal letter is written. So I know all this now. So I'm able yeah. to go to my legal team and be like, this is the way I want to frame it. And they're like, Yeah. And actually I remember um fifty cent threatened to sue me before. <laughs> I've had so many random lawsuits but he was one of them and uh, I remember my like solicitor was on a yacht Monica or something so he couldn't reply to his email and I texted him on SMS and I was like this is what I was thinking of saying to his lawyer at this point, this point this is before I did the degree and he was like that's exactly what I was going to say so I kind of knew it was something I was going to be good at and I am very good at it like if times were different I'd probably go on and be a barrister and like do the King's exams but to be honest it's just I still have costs I have loads going on for me I really want to work on the legislation angle and then I also like I do genuinely want to try and help people as well like there's talks of um, I can't go into it too much but like a, a, a free legal aid clinic for women that are victims of domestic violence is something I'm discussing with someone at the moment like I work with women's aid quite a lot now and I took on family law as one of my modules last year because I wanted to understand and that's basically all about domestic violence it's about separation agreements custody battles and when I was reading through the stuff that's going on in the court system here I was like oh my god I'd love to help people with that so that's kind of where I want to use it and it's handy for business mm-hmm. like if people try to threaten me now I'm just like well, to be honest, when you've been threatened to be sued by so many celebrities, so many times you kind of just are like oh whatever mm-hmm. you've also been working on Coco's Law
1: can you tell me a little bit about
0: that yeah that was a mad experience now Jackie Fox is obviously solely responsible for bringing that legislation in I just knew about it. I knew it was coming because I had met Jackie and I'd been talking to her and initially it was just meant to be online harassment because it was very focused on Nicole, her daughter. And then I had heard that revenge porn was going to be mentioned. And I always stayed in the background of it because just for anyone who doesn't know my story, like I was a victim of, well, they call it intimate image abuse now, but it was called revenge porn before. So in 2015, I was filmed without my consent. Having sex was consensual with the guy, but it was filmed without my consent. And then um, another person, a, a woman got the video and threatened to share it and basically made my life hell for, for a very long time. But when I was going through that at the time, I knew that there was no crime being committed, which is fucking insane when you think about it now. Until 2020, it was not illegal. I could have walked into your house Filmed you having sex with your boyfriend, posted it, threatened to post it, tried to extort you for it. Well, the extortion part, I suppose, would have been tight, kind of illegal. But um, the only thing you could have got me on was trespassing in your house, not the filming. So I had started to hear the things were happening. I would seen some advocates. There was this girl Roshi and she went on the Joe Duffy show. Uh, she's amazing, and she um talked about what happened to her, and she was seventeen. And I got in touch with her, so I was kinda of talking to lots of people around behind the scenes. I got onto the Minister of Justice for Justice and I was like, What's happening? Because the bill had been put forward in twenty eighteen. This happened to me in twenty fifteen. So I was just watching, being like, When is it gonna happen? Because I really wanted to talk about it. Because when it all happened and this goes back to what I was saying earlier on about the slut shaming thing because so many people have wanted to believe that I just ride around which is so annoying because I cannot explain how opposite I am to that like I can still count down people I've kissed like I'm so not like that I just love having a bit of a sexy pose on Instagram that's about it but when it all happened everyone in the industry just thought I had a sex tape, right? So they thought I was a part of it, that I knew what I was doing, that I was well up for it. And that was what the belief was. So Mm. it used to be brought up to me as a joke. No one knew the trauma of like I didn't even know I was being filmed. I've never seen it. I was being blackmailed over it. And guys in particular would just joke about on nights out. And I would just always freeze. And like I wouldn't know what to do because I was like, I can't even say that this video is real. Because if I do Someone's going to find it It wasn't illegal Like that woman could have shared it It wouldn't be illegal So I used to always pretend It was a rumour I'd be like No like I I don't know Like that's crazy Like that girl's just making it up And the guy in the situation kept telling me Just say it's not true Say it's not true But then years later I found out he was telling everybody It was true So anyway Then when I met Jackie I did an interview with her During Covid And when the interview was over I was like What's happening with Coco's all Like what's going on And she told me It was going to be passed Before Christmas I think this is in August Or something so I was like, right, and then I started telling her what happened to me and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go full whack with this. Like I'm gonna like do something about this, I'm gonna talk about this. I was lined up to do a Joe Duffy interview, actually. That's what we were talking about doing. And at this point I actually had never told my dad about it. I had told my family. So I rang him to tell him that the legislation was coming in, and I was gonna talk about it. Like that was a fun conversation. Um and then I think around November I wrote this huge piece called The Truth About My Sex Tape. And Goss had never really done anything like that, like female focused issues. And I remember it had to be a bit of a discussion with my team because they weren't really, they were just like, oh, is this really right to go on Goss? Like, I don't know. And I was like, no, it is. Like, I want this to be what Goss is, like the, the space for women to be able to talk about this. So, and even my mom was like, I don't know. I don't know. Everyone was like, I don't know if you should do this. Like, no one's gonna believe you, blah, blah, blah. Because when it first happened, people still ask me now, like, why didn't you just say something then? It was before the Me Too movement. Was before Harvey Weinstein and all that stuff. Like, There's a reason why the Harvey Weinstein stuff took years to come out because mm. women were like, I am not going to be believed. So anyway, I'd written the whole thing. I still didn't know the date. And then I found out that Michael D. Higgins was signing an into legislation I think on the 27th of December in 2019. That was the date, I think it was. And um, I remember pressing publish and then I turned off my phone and then I went and had a bath because I was like, oh, I'm probably going to get three or four comments now being like, Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I could never, ever, ever have expected the reaction and the whole centerpiece around it what I wanted to do was explain why cocoa Law was important yeah. because cocoa's Law was so important to me and I was like if I just explain the detrimental effects this had on me people are going to understand why this is now illegal that's basically <coughs> the only thing I wanted to do it wasn't to be poor me it was to be like this is why you shouldn't share mm-hmm. intimate images and I remember I think only a couple of days later I did an interview with Brendan O'Connor and people still come up to me on the street now being like I will never forget your brand O'Connor interview and because I remember at the very very end he said something like the next time you get sent an image the next time this blah 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 whatever way he said it he was like the next time you think of revenge porn think of Alexandra Ryan because I think a lot of people over the years had been sent things and were a bit like oh that's gas no one was ever like what about that girl on the video does yeah. she know about it does she know it's been sent was she consenting in the video like what's her mother going to think What's is she going to lose her job if this goes viral none of those things were ever like discussed so that was my aim with it and thank God for Jackie Fox because like it just felt like the longest time waiting for that to come through and she just tirelessly campaigned for it and then what happened after that was the Department of Justice got in touch with me and they said that they were going to launch this new service called Hotline.ie where you could um you could basically report if this crime had happened and then they would work in tandem with the guards and get content removed and i was like okay so i was meant to just be a part of the campaign and then i ended up being the face of the campaign and they shot a whole trailer with me like an ad and then i did a press national press conference it was so crazy that was such a difficult time in the lead up because it was like kind of re-traumatizing everything mm-hmm. again there are things i forgot about like i remember ringing my mom like them because my they had said to me really last minute do you want to read an impact a victim impact statement At the thing And I was like Okay at the press conference I was like Gran. I remember everyone being like Oh my god Like hearing the word victim was so fucked up And I was like crying To her on the phone I was like I know this stuff is amazing That it's happening And like In a way I'm like I'm glad it happened to me Because like I said it In the piece that I wrote Like I still don't know how I'm alive because it was so bad, like it was so bad. Like I was drinking myself into oblivion. Every morning I'd wake up with anxiety going, this is the day the tape's gonna come out, this is it, it's today, it's gonna happen today. Every time I'd go on a date with someone, I'd be like, have they seen it? Because strangers have come up to me been mm-hmm. like, you have a sex tape. People I've never met. And it's kind of Chinese whispers versions of what they thought it was and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, has it been seen? Like I was just constantly anxious all the time. And I remember the night before the press conference at the same time, mom, like I'm glad it happened to me because like I get to like talk about it and I'm I you're the same like I know how journalism works I know what stories work I knew given who I am and like I'm well spoken I'm a nice normal girl I knew that I would be taken more seriously which sounds terrible mm. because it shouldn't matter where you come from where you look like what age you are but I knew me saying it would make people go oh, that could be my daughter mm-hmm that could be my like It's hard when like A 16 year old comes out And says it Because people are like Oh they were stupid Oh they were drunk It frustrates me Because it doesn't matter But I kind of knew That it was going to be Taken more seriously Which is so fucked up to say But I just knew that So then I was saying to mom, I was like I feel like this happened for a reason Because I know that this is, is important But then I was also like But I keep just being like Why didn't I just look Around the room that time Like why didn't I check Like I still I still think about it now Even though it's Been turned into a positive And I've know, got to work on that. I'm still like, why, why? Like I blame myself so much still. I'm just like, why didn't I just like and I had known this person for over a year. So like obviously why would you? But I'm just always like, I why didn't I have a sixth sense or something about it? But then when I did the press conference, it went really, really well. And since we've launched Hotline, seven hundred and ninety I think images have been like taken down. Like like that could never happen before mm-hmm. There was no space And the Department of Justice said It was one of their most successful campaigns ever And like just to hear all that back I was like Oh okay I am I am so glad That I got to do it And you know I want to work on other legislation I want to work on other things And it's just made me realise like How important platforms online are Because there is such a dark side to online But like I probably wouldn't have been able to help so many people. My story probably wouldn't have landed as much if I wasn't who I was, if I didn't have the profile that I had. So like there is positives to it. Um, And that's why I think it's in general really important to campaign for change because like the government listen when your voice is loud enough, to be honest, they can't ignore you if you're talking about it all the time. And I think that's what happened really with Coco's Law. And that's what I'm hoping that's going to happen with the anti-trolling legislation. But yeah, like it's something I wish obviously never, ever happened But it's like what do you do just fall down And cry about it forever or do you get up and try To somehow make it a positive
1: Yeah and I think you have done that And like your story is so inspirational And like just looking at everything you've done to Mm. change that it's such a positive so and just dealing with the business all
0: at the same time (laughs) Yeah, it's mad because the guy who actually filmed it all like I said this in my piece that a year uh, a year before I wrote the piece I bumped into him and one of the things he said was I don't know how you dealt with all that while running Goss and I was like I know and so many people didn't know about it like people Mm -hmm. that I was really close to had no idea And I honestly think Goths probably saved my life because it was so stressful and there was money problems and there were so many issues and stuff like that. I actually think that's what got me out of bed. I had to go to work every day. Like if I had just had a job somewhere else, I could have just not showed up. But I was like, I have to go in. Like I have to. But it was definitely the purest form of mental torture I think possible. Mm -hmm. It was
1: just... Yeah, it was, it was so bad. What advice do you have to someone who, I think, in terms of intimate imagery, they end up in WhatsApp group chats? Yes. So what advice do you have I know. to somebody who's in a chat and an image appears?
0: Like, I think it's just, oh, like, everyone is responsible, right? It stops with you. And that was one of the really key things with the campaign that I did. And I had said to them, it really needs to come across that even sharing it is a crime. Because that has to be a crime. I was like, that has to be in the legislation. Because... If sharing it isn't illegal, you're still going to look at it and be like, "Oh, mad, maybe share it on." Um, but I think if it lands in your in your group, you need to like confront the person. And I have male friends of mine who knew my story, even after the press conference, saying to me, "Oh my god, I got sent this video last night." And I'm like, "Did you ask your man why the fuck he sent that in?" And he was like, "No, I just ignored it." I mean, and I'm like, "But you have to take on the responsibility." Mm-hmm. Um, We're and also, all we all have to take responsibility. Everybody does, mm-hmm. and. Obviously like I would say Report it to the guards I mean it could be your friend sending it So I know that's awkward If it's your friend You need to have a serious Serious conversation with them How it could impact someone How it could change them And the problem is I've talked about this before The the, the issue I have about all this as well Is because the reason it was called Revenge porn, Now they are trying to change it And I get why you're trying to change it right Because revenge means like you're at fault, like something happened. But the reason I think the word revenge is important is because the only reason it's a vengeful act is because women are the ones that suffer from Mm -hmm. sex tapes, not men. You know, it can happen. Sorry, not not men. It does happen to men. That's not what I mean. But in general, it happens more to women. So a reputation of a woman will be destroyed if a sex tape of them appears it is way less likely the reputation of a man will suffer. You know, I'm sure you've heard of other sex that have been around in the industry like I have and when there's lads involved that are well known it's like, you know, it's not like when it's a woman it's like this is detrimental to your career. You are going to be deemed a slut. You're not going to get work. No one's going to take you seriously. That's why it's vengeful and that's why I still kind of use the word sometimes because it makes me so sad because if women weren't so judged about their sexuality or about how many times they have sex I don't know how uh, impactful it would be if the videos like that got, back, got out. Because if girls were like high-fiving each other if you're in a video and lads were like, oh, fair play, it wouldn't be as traumatic. Mm-hmm. But it's so traumatic when you know. Like, and I still like, I an, an, an Ireland I'm clip that went up on TikTok a couple of weeks ago in an interview I was in. And I saw someone commenting on it saying like, oh, she has a tape out there This she doesn't want anyone to see Winky face. And I was just like, oh, how is this still not being taken seriously? Like, it's so, mm-hmm. so, 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 so annoying. But yeah, I definitely think if you get into your group, you need to like completely stop it. You need to confront the person, and I think it's just important to remember too. I always say this that like threatening to share it, if there's anyone listening or watching that has the situation happening, it happens so much with partners mm-hmm. and ex partners. But the threat to share is one year in prison. It's a crime, even just threatening. Some people think if they go to the guards, the person's going to release it then. But, like, if you have someone threatening you, you can go to the guards. And it it doesn't just happen in relationships. I have so, like, I still get messages now. I'd say I get a message at least three times a week from people who are going through it. And uh, sometimes it's, like, senior uh, employees in their business who are, like, you'll lose your job if this gets around. So, like, you know, making them do things they don't want to do because they have content and stuff. So, yeah, it's illegal. Even threatening it, sharing it, it's all illegal. So it just, I don't know how anyone would even get that and think not to stand up for someone in that. Like that's literally could be your daughter, your friend, your mom. Like they're real people and that's the problem with trolling as well. The problem with social media in general is that everyone is getting dehumanized. Mm -hmm. People are forgetting that the girl who's in that video is a real person. Mm. And most likely Does not want that video out there mm-hmm. Like it's different for me Because I didn't even make the video Like I didn't know it was happening But like there are people Who do enjoy doing that And that's completely fine And that there's so much Slut shaming around revenge porn Because you can see People on Twitter and stuff Being like well She shouldn't have made that video It's like well He shouldn't have fucking shared it Like there's yeah. There are two separate things And in my situation It was a woman Like it was a woman Who did all the bad things And I think that was One of the most unique things About my story Because there's all this talk Of women standing up women blah 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 but in my personal experience the worst slut shaming i've ever suffered has been from women it's mm. not been from men it's there with men misogyny is there for men but the slut shaming is always 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 for women i've lost count the amount of comments about my appearance about how i look the amount of rumors about me sleeping with people things like that There, that's all coming from women so <laughs> We are all inner misogynists, like we all have to work at it. I'm sure when I was younger, before all this happened to me, if I saw someone with a really short skirt, I don't know, maybe in my mind, I was a bit like, oh, you really have to work on it because it's a societal thing. We're born into this world believing that you know women being sexual is wrong and like it's not okay and like you shouldn't be into yourself and you shouldn't have multiple partners like that's how we're brought up and that's why videos like this or images like this can destroy someone mm. because society's view of women is that they need to be virginal that they need to be well behaved and that they wouldn't like something like that you know like so it's it's really really messed up when you think about it I think we are changing in the new generation they're getting better and better and like women are being more provocative online and doing what they want now but it's taken it's such so a long time. Do. Yeah, yeah.
1: So speaking of um trolling, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about gossip forums. You know. Uh <laughs> I'm not even going to name them because I yeah. don't I
0: never have, never will. Oh, I hate them so much. You know, it all started with bloggers unveiled another name I was I used to never say and I got featured on that. It was so bizarre. I, I did never understood. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I got featured on like six times and every single thing that went up there was false. Like I will swear my entire fucking whatever The future My future kids Every single thing was false And that was such a difficult time Because brands were very aware of it I don't know if you remember that Like people were losing deals Left, right and centre And I remember like a a client being to me If you respond to this We're not going to work with Goss And I was like But I'm separate to Goss And they're like we're not So I said nothing I never said anything which given I'd been like gagged about the sex Mm -hmm. tape and feeling gagged when I was bullied, it was such a shit thing to go through. And I was just like, oh, I hate not being able to stand up for myself. It was really, really frustrating. But that really started the trolling for me. And a certain influencer actually really started it on boards.ie when there was drama over the Gossies one year. Do you remember this? There was like a a thing put on boards.ie and it's it's hilarious because the same person's constantly like campaigning against trolling, but she... Like caused me absolute misery It's She was the first person that people Because she was kind of big on boards And all that stuff People started to realise who I was Like I was never on them It all started from there And it just caused me absolute misery Oh my god And it was so googleable And it was just like questioning me As a an entrepreneur saying like the gossies were fixed and all that stuff. I was like, what? Again, totally un- untrue. Um, so it was really, really frustrating when that all started. Now it's just like a million times worse, mm-hmm. to be honest. um, I don't even know how to even talk about it because I hate them so much. And like so many people I know have been hugely affected mm-hmm. by them. And for me, I'll tell you what my main problem is, right? Like I don't care if someone's on a forum being like, her tan is shit. I don't like her lips. Why doesn't she dye her hair? Or whatever. Like I feel like you have to accept some sort of commentary when you're in a public profile. Now I feel like up until now maybe. Until the sex stuff happened I would have been like I'm not a public profile. Why are people out to get me? At this point I'm like fair enough. I've talked a lot about things. I'm on TV. I have to accept it now. Mm-hmm. So I accept the whole looks thing. What really really gets to me is the rumours. Because I just don't think people understand how detrimental it is to people's lives it's not just me like I have seen people's lives fall apart because there's a rumour of an affair completely completely made up and what fucks me off I know not am on so much this, <laughs> what really fucks me off about that the forums is that it's anonymous right so you could have someone on there going I live around the corner from Ali I see she's been riding this guy every week and she's a drug dealer on the weekends and I live I live around the corner like I know a car she drives so someone reads that going right well that person knows Ali because she says she lives around the corner right now that could be someone I went to school with that has a problem with me who's like I'm gonna fucking say that she's a drug dealer and she's having an affair and there's nothing I can do about it I can't sue the form Mm -hmm. I can't sue the person because they're anonymous and it's just so fucking cowardly to do that yeah and that's what's happened with me so I haven't been on any of my threads In like three years But I did go on them when they first started And like it affected me so much Like I was so upset about it Mm -hmm. Because the main thing that's on my stuff Is all about my personal life So you actually do know my personal life I've told you right So like whenever I'm in a relationship I don't ever say it Mm -hmm. And it's for these reasons Because I don't want people to pick it apart I never show the guy I never show what's going on And I think that's led people to hypothesize what's going on I feel like when people talk shit about my personal life it takes away from who I am as a Mm -hmm. business person and it makes me less legitimate because it's like who is she sleeping with how did she get to that party how did she go to that event she must be sleeping with so-and-so or so-and-so's friend or whatever instead of being like oh my god fair play she just got to that massive worldwide thing that must have been hard work so it's frustrating for me that that's the part that's frustrating it's the lies like it is Mm -hmm. also not nice when people are being mean about you but like I think this is a certain extent we just have to accept people are going to have opinions but it's the lies that really really upset me and they don't just affect me they affect other people in my life like my (laughs) family have been on the threads um, and no one knows what goes on behind the scenes like you know when people are talking about like Where you go for walks and stuff like that Weeks after Ashing Murphy's been killed Like you know I didn't go for a walk I swear to God for like 10 months after that Because I found out people were saying where I walk And things like that And people just think they're being nosy and it's funny But like it affects my life Like, And that's what I think they don't get So that's why like my next focus It's literally taking up so much of my energy at the moment is anti-trolling legislation. So what an anti-trolling bill is, there's actually one in Australia already. And we're a common law jurisdiction just like Australia. So we're allowed to use Australia as an example. This is why it's handy that I know these things, right? And the anti-trolling legislation, basically what it is, is that it will make the website, let's say the forum... Responsible to unmask the people that are writing it. So there's a thing in Ireland called a Norwick Pharmacal Order. And it basically is where you have to go to the High Court. And the High Court will force a website to unmask the person. It's through IP addresses, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. But it's about 50 grand because it's in the High okay. Court, right? So one of the things I'm working on at the moment with the Department of Justice is bringing it down to the circuit court, meaning it will cost, mm, I don't know, maybe 10 grand. It's still a lot but it's doable Mm -hmm. to unmask people. But the legislation, what it would do is it would legally require the site to do it. You don't need to go to the high court. Mm -hmm. And either they give you the information then, and then if they don't, you sue them. And that's what drives me crazy because the certain form that you know that we're talking about really, like the amount of revenue they made in 2022, I think it was 1.2 million. (gasps) Yeah, on Google Ads.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that they made that kind of money.
0: Yes, it's one of the most popular sites in the UK. Oh my God. It's not just Ireland, you see. There's two. I could be wrong in the number, but I know in a six-monthly period they had made close to half a million, so I think so it was over the one. it's still going. I'm, I might be alleged there. I might be wrong. But it's very, 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 very high, which means Google have a hand in this too because yeah. Google Ads are playing there. I know loads of clients who have enforced uh, rules to not be on those sort of sites. But anyway, it's it's... So basically, in tort law, which is what defamation is under, right? Mm-hmm. So, you as we have a constitutional right to a good name, yeah, which blows my mind how these sites are there. So, if I wrote something on Goss that suggested you had cheated on your boyfriend, you could sue me for probably about 50 grand. But if I was anonymously posting it, nothing. nothing. And the reason there are payouts and recourses in law is basically equity in law is basically to it's to basically repay you for the damage something has done. So when someone's damaging your reputation, so let's say people did believe I was having an affair with a married man, which I've never had, by the way, ever. Um, what if a client read that and decided not to mm. do a campaign 100%. with Goss? That could be hundred grand gone. So <clears throat> that's what's been really frustrating to me. So like, I feel like, it should have already been in place that we are able to just sue. So that's what the legislation does anyway, sorry. So you can can go to the site and sue them because certain sites have the money. In law, like when you go to a high court thing, a judge will be like, well, who has the money? So like you could have someone who wrote the comment who doesn't have a job, who doesn't have four euro. So even if you go through the whole process of the defamation, sometimes defamation cases, they pay out like a euro. It's really random. But if you get the sites on the hook, that's when you're like Mm -hmm. proper proper recourse is going to happen and I actually think what's actually going to happen if this all works out is that the sites are going to start monitoring things much more and they're not going to allow certain comments and like what I want is basically a world where you cannot be anonymous online like it shouldn't be you shouldn't be able to create fake email accounts which you can Mm -hmm. it's just a difficult one because GDPR came in and has messed with everything and like we have all these rights where our data shouldn't be shared so if a site knows your IP address and your email address there's concerns with that but like i honestly think the problem is so bad at the moment like yeah. i honestly don't know how someone hasn't taken their own life because of some of those threads like i have seen people end up in hospital mm-hmm. because of those threads like i don't think people really understand and especially like what you said earlier, right? There's so many people in the industry that have had really traumatic experiences. They've had a really shit dad or they've been bullied or sexually abused or whatever. And they come into these industries because they're lacking this feeling of love and attention. So we're already so broken. So then to like come into this world and have people make up lies, slag you all the time. And you have to remember, because they're not true, that means there's someone sitting at home going, I know what would really upset her I know what would really damage her reputation Um, So it's just such a horrible thing And I don't think people are going to come to their senses on their own Like when Caroline Flack died Everyone was like hashtag be kind It was everywhere And like those are the same people that are on the threads now Like they are Mm -hmm. And they're the ones with young kids as well Like that's the trend that I see so it's just such a huge part of my whole purpose now is like I want that legislation to be brought in. Yeah. So that's yeah. my new big thing. I hope
1: it's going to happen. But it just, it's it's really scary, isn't it, though, that this is, is becoming a thing? Like I was recently, um, part of my job is that I'll build marketing and social media strategies for clients. So I was building like an influencer profile for this brand of like potential influencers they should work with. Yeah we do that all the time. Yeah yeah. yeah. so I was googling these people just to kind of get a background on them see what was coming up in the news whatever and this one particular influencer actually the first one I googled the first thing that came up was a blog uh, gossip forum website and I was like how crazy is it that when I google her name the first Mm. thing that comes up is a web of lies and it's a web page so it's all collated in this one place. That's why
0: there is you know issues with the search engines in my opinion there is like, but see, there's no legislation. You see, this is the problem. Oh. There's nothing. Tell I do think Google would be responsive if they knew that. Like the this is a site you sh- you shouldn't link to, but that is what killed me. And I said that to me and my mom. Were really close. I'm always telling her everything. I said that to my mom one time. Like you know when I'm seeing someone for example I'm always so worried they're going to Google me and one of those threads Mm -hmm. are going to come up and like a normal person is going to think this is rubbish but what
1: if? But like But a brand could be like we don't want to be associated with somebody who has gossip about them and that's an issue Yeah So it's just it's just like, I feel like
0: women have it so fucking hard as it is. And like that, those threads are 95% women, I would say. It's like, we're already having a tough time. It's already hard to get a seat at the table. It's already hard to deal with the misogyny and sexism. And then on top of that, you want us to have this crazy, untrue gossip around us. I saw, um, actually, Browsy did a really good podcast about rumours before when he talked about how there was a rumour him and Leo Radcourt were having mm-hmm. an affair. It was such a good episode. And he had like a psychologist on explaining why rumour culture is so important. To people and he said something like it creates a community because if you feel bad about yourself and then you see someone gorgeous I don't know with a record deal, singing on TV, and then someone says, "Oh, apparently, actually, she rode the head of that uh music company," and someone goes, "Ah, that's why she's famous." Yeah, it's this thing of being like, "Okay, I'm actually okay," and then everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we are actually all okay. She only is special because she did something," and like I remember that really struck a chord in me. I was like, "That is what it is." Yeah, people don't want to accept that maybe someone. Is special or they've done something different. But like when I meet people that are doing so well, I'm like, oh my God, how, like this is amazing. I wanna befriend them, I wanna work with them. But then there's just different types of people out there that when they see that, they're like, we have to tear that person down. They cannot do well. And I think that's where all of this is bred. And I think it got a million times worse during COVID because mm-hmm. people were sad at home. So yeah, I feel, I feel very bad for people that are coming up. I feel so bad for the people on them because they must be desperately unhappy. Oh, Desperately, and they must be so naive if they believe rumors. Like I'm sure you're so well versed on the industry now as well. That like, when I hear things, sometimes I I don't even believe it. Yeah, I sweat like my brain. If I hear like,
1: yeah. did you hear? So and so's blah, yeah. blah blah. I'm like, Click. I'm immediately
0: like, well, are you sure? Look, I get it. Gossip is natural. I'm not saying don't gossip like it's natural it's just when you put it on a, a forum the reason to do it is to harm that person yeah. it's for brands to see it's for their family their boyfriends their kids like it's for harm when you bitch in a private whatsapp it's to let off steam yeah it's to talk to your friend you're not doing it so that person feels shit about themselves great this was crazy so yeah I'd love to see a change I don't think it will So I think legislation has to happen And I'm fighting the good fight I'm like it has to happen I honestly think by 2024 We'll at least have a bill on the table Like something's going to change I think the norm Farm order Is going to come down Which means forums like this You and I could just unmask them In a few weeks yeah. What's been your biggest learning of 2023 so far? I just think keep going no matter what Honestly In business and in in life Especially in, in career stuff Because there's just so many people Who will tell you It's not going to work Like I've, I've actually been obsessing Over Dragon's Den a lot lately Because it keeps popping up On my TikTok and <laughs> Me too <laughs> I'm obsessed with it now And I was in LA For the Oscars I kept watching Shark Tank Over there I was yeah. like oh my god But it's interesting Watching some of the dragons Being like You're living in a daydream And it's never going to work And the first thing I do Was like Google the company And so many of them Are doing so well Because like that was said To me before as well yeah. So I'm very much like like yeah I think that's how I've started off the year is just you have to have the belief that everything is going to work out you have to have self belief even if really terrible things are happening just accepting that it's going to turn good um, and just that we all need to be kinder to ourselves I mean it's such a bitchy time <laughs> everyone's bitching about each other I think we all just need to take a minute go offline a little bit, you know, now and then and just remember why we do the things we do and remember that all that matters is, you know, who you are and what you know and when you're lying in bed. Actually, I'll finish on this sentence. I went to the Pendulum Summit a couple of years ago. Have you ever been? No. It's really, really good. You should go to the next one. They always have like amazing speakers in. Like they've had Richard Branson. They've hit from The Secret. But they had one business guy. and I can't remember his name. And he did like an exercise with us. Um, so he was like, close your eyes. And it was like, you're on your deathbed. And you're looking back on your life. And he starts listing things that like, are, are these things that would come into your head? And it's like, do you think about the time someone said like you, you were ugly and it really upset you? And then you spend two weeks upset. Do you think about, like he started listing all these things and like loads of people were crying because I was like, when we're on our deathbed, we are not going to be like, that girl I met at the event said I was fat. You're going to be like, why did I waste months and weeks upset about someone when I could have been out with the man I love or out with my children or out making my business better like the regrets you're going to have at that time are not going to be about what others think it's all going to be you on your own like you come into the world alone you end alone you go to sleep alone at night and I think we just all need to remember that that if we're happy in ourselves with the decisions that we've made and the way we act and the way we treat people nothing else matters and that's my vibe for this year
1: Ali, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> this has been a great conversation. I'm always in admiration of your tenacity and your boundless thinking. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to share it with your friends and let them know that we're, we're here. And I will see you guys for the next one. Thank you very much.